Welcome back to the Upper Transfer Show, the weekly transfer show we bring you on the Upper Tier as part of the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash the subscribe and bell notification button. Audio versions of the show are available through Anchor. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can find us at the Upper Tier on Twitter. Joining me as always, my partner on the show every Sunday morning for these sit-ins. Dino, how you doing, my man? Oh, good night, I'm still uh, a bit numb after what happened yesterday afternoon to Christian Eriksen. Um, thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and just great to hear that he's stable and, you know, things are on the up and looking positive. But, uh, yeah, to say I wasn't shaken by what happened yesterday afternoon so, uh, would be a lie. Um, very, very upset. Someone that's younger than me. You know, I consider myself to be a young man, 35 years of age, see that. The footage as well, can I just say, um, the footage that was that was shown across the, the all channels last night didn't need to happen. Um, nobody needs to see that. Um, it's like they were feeding off it, like it was like we get re- people really invested there. And I just want to say credit, big credit, and a lot of respect to Finland and Denmark, but especially to the Denmark players for forming the guard around them so people didn't see what was going on. But um, other than that, Noel is I'm quite good. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, um, I presume within the broadcasting stations, there was an absolute panic, you know what I mean? They didn't really know what to do. You know, know what, what I mean? to do, yeah. I'm sure cameramen and all weren't really getting instruction. They were just trying to figure out what to do, you know what I mean? No one really wants to see that, even if you're a cameraman. And even the way they panned to his wife, who was distraught at the time and stuff like that, I'm sure they just didn't know where to go, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not what they want to do. I would like to say as well, to add to what you said as well, this show all this season has been about going in on referees and refereeing decisions, stuff like that. Yeah. So hats off to Anthony Taylor yesterday. Within five seconds, he had medics on the pitch attending the Christian Eriksson, which I'm sure was a huge part in Eriksson's recovery. So hats off to Anthony Taylor. Yeah, it's forced it's forced major tournament, this forced game. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he deserves massive, massive credit for that. Just kind of put to bed any bad decisions he uh, he made towards Liverpool last season, but now he he that was, he, he made a massive massive difference there. If he did delay that, you know, five more seconds could have killed him. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it was um, brilliant as well because he kept it all in control and everything. It was never out of control. You know what I mean? Um. So yeah. So hats off to the medics, Anthony Taylor, the Danish and Finnish sides, even the fans. To be honest, you know what I mean? There was just. A silence while people got on with what they had to get on with and stuff like that, you know. And again, I, I don't know where I lie on the broadcasting thing. Those images shouldn't be shown. But again, if there's panic like that, it happens so. I'm well. not in. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not having. I'm not digging the mill. I'm not really having a go. I'm just. I'm just saying, as you were saying, nobody knows what to do in that situation. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. You're not trained to deal with that sort of stuff in a game of yeah. football. But I just think after the first time that they showed the chest compressions, they didn't know need to show them the second time. But no, look, no. we'll move on for it. Everything is looking positive with them. Just our thoughts and prayers well, from all the lads here at the upper tier. Yeah. Uh, go out to Christian Eriksen and, and his family. Yeah, hopefully hopefully over the next week or so, the more news that comes out and stuff like that. And you would hope that maybe it's just a low blood sugar level or something like that that caused him to pass out or something like that. Fingers crossed. A team that could potentially end his career or something like that. What a footballer, you know what I mean? And a, a pivotal part of the Danish setup, you know. So, uh, yeah, we send our thoughts and our prayers and all that kind of stuff to Christian Eriksen and his family, who's now stable and looks like he's doing well. Anyway, moving on to the madness of another week of, of transfers and um, playing managers and players. Uh, <laughs> Bayern Munich president Herbert Hanier dismisses recent Lewandowski transfer rumours. Um, I don't think I'd be letting go of Robert Lewandowski either, would you? No, not a hope. He, he's only leaving Bayern Munich if Erling Haaland signs for me. That's the only way he leaves there. Um, He's got the guts of three or four more years left in him at the highest level. And, you know, it's like Liverpool with Salah. How, how do you replace the goals that they've scored? It's very, very hard. Very, very hard. But uh, he didn't really need to come out and say that. I think that that's a given that he's not leaving there. Well, I'd say where that's coming from is a number of agents have made inquiries. Because if you look, and especially if you look at the Premier League, a number of teams this year haven't really been firing up front 
and they need the power of that finisher. That kind of Olivier Giroud, Robert Lewandowski kind of player. And I just think it's um he's coming out and saying that because people have obviously made inquiries to Robert's agent. You know what I mean? Neil, can you imagine? Can you imagine Mo Salah on the left, Lewandowski through the middle, Mane on the right, and Bobby behind them, or Thiago behind them, or anybody behind them? I have played behind that front three and we still score about 100 goals. It's it's the kind of sneaky transfer that Chelsea would fly in on, isn't it? Because they throw money at him as well, even though he's he's like a fine wine, he's getting better with age, you know? Um, but yeah, it, interesting that the president came out and said that, so someone's been picking up the phone somewhere. Um, let's move on. Anthony Martial, I, you know... This is a weird one. Is it weird though? He's going out on loan first of all to Real Madrid, so it's like Real Madrid are getting him on trial. <laughs> he must be only. I think it's. Place. I think it's weird because it's just so left field. Like Anthony Anthony Martial to Real Madrid. Like when I when I heard about it, I was like, wow. It. But Madrid have a history of doing this over the last few years, just like going and springing a name on us. Um, you know, that, that, style of, that style of football over in Spain, my suit him, he, he, has he ever really adapted to England? He's had, he, he has, a, he has like a, a run of games, of, like he has a, a few good games and then he's a few bad games. This season he was really off the boil. Um, you know, fits and starts, can United afford to hang around? And I'd say United are thinking, well, if we can get him off the, off the books, yeah. you know, and bring in someone else, you know, if someone's not, if someone ne- not necessarily coming into like to just straight into the first team, and they're, they're just filling that gap on the bench that Martial had, and you know, coming into games and see if they can get a few goals, and basically a trial for a season, it, it's good business for Man United. But is Anthony Martial really what Real Madrid need to get them back to the to the top level that they have been on? I don't know. I kind of like the idea of him and Benzema up front. I think it could be yeah. a nice little combination if you went with two two more kind of narrow because I know Martial they really um, they yeah, really I, need to they really need to take the burden off Benzema don't they because since Ronaldo left like if it's like Liverpool if you take Benzema's goals out Real Madrid you know where where are they they just languish they're like the Arsenal of Spanish football then because they don't they don't really get many goals elsewhere now other players chip in but. Benzema like Salah is the is the front and center of that team. Yeah, what what's your feeling on Anthony Martial overall in terms of he never kind of seems is it just that he's not happy or is it just that's the way he is? But he is happy, but he just he has that kind of way about him. His body language is terrible. His facials are terrible. He just never see, but he's never seemed happy nearly since the day he signed. And I don't think that would be the case. So it's just, he just, he has kind of like a real, see, a decent season, then a bad season, then a decent season, then a bad season. And it just, there doesn't seem to be a pattern there. And I think now, obviously, with them having Cavani there, who's an absolute baller, you know what I mean? It looks like yeah. he's having the time of his life at United. It's hard to see where Anthony Martial would fit in at this stage, you know? Yeah, he. <laughs> Martial, I think the happiest he ever looked at Man United was his goal against Liverpool in his first game. You know, um, as I said, like I think he knows in himself, like he came to United with all the potential in the world, and he never really set set the Premier League alight. Now, as I said, when when he has when he has good games, he has really good games, but he's just kind of ebbed away this season. The focus has been on Greenwood. Daniel James seems to come in like ahead of him. Um, Cavani is there like he's not really ousting anybody out of that team and if they get Sancho for me he's like fifth or sixth choice they've got you know you'd have a, a couple of young lads coming through we've seen with Diallo and I can't pronounce the other kid's name you know they're going to be pushed pushed more into the team again this coming season you know what I mean because they, they have got they have got the talent in them but the only way to get better is by thrown into the deep end if Martial had to finish the season strong or if he had, like, say, let's say over 15 goals or 20 goals across all competitions, United are trying to keep him end of, but he hasn't. And United, they can't afford anymore now. The way City are going, the way Liverpool are going to come back next season, the way Chelsea are going, if you can't rely on the likes of Anthony Martial at a club like Man United, it's best to just get them out. You know, United have got the money to spend. So, can, can Ole risk going again another season with the likes of Martial to rely on? Let's say if, if Cavani gets injured, 
let's say if Greenwood is out injured, is Anthony Martial to, to lead a, a title challenge for United? I don't think so. No, I wouldn't think so either. And I would think, you know, when I look at the situation with Anthony Martial, I kind of think very much like um, Jesse Lingard. I think it's kind of, yeah. we know that the talent is there. We know he can be a very good footballer, but he just doesn't seem to be switched on there or motivated at the moment. Um, he just needs that. He just needs another chance. Like if he goes off Real Madrid, like he settles in well. There's a few French lads there. You know, he's got a, a team, like a, a fellow countryman up top, Benzema, mm. who, who no doubt will will be his sidekick. You know, help him sell in and all. Could be a new lease of life. He's still only he's still only young. You know. Mm. And as we know, United players do have a history of going off to La Liga and becoming more class. So exactly. Exactly. we know he's a very good player, but it must be frustrating for him, you know. Um, Mirror reporting this week, Arsenal are ready to seal uh, the Ben White deal. Now, for all intents and purposes, Ben White, I think, is a very, very good player. Um, and I could see why the Arsenal would want him. But then I read 50 million. It's no, it's exactly like Harry Maguire again. Young English going to the Euros. That's clubs. It's the same in Liverpool come in. It's the same in Man United come in. You're getting held over a barrel. You're paying way over the odds. The most I'd pay for Ben White would possibly be thirty million. Yeah, and that's that could be that could be like that could be blown up. Mm. But I'm only saying that necessarily because. You know, he is a good player. He is young. He is English. But Brian, they had a, they had a decent season. But when when Brian play really bad, they get trounced. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Well, they well Potter Potter plays a very open style of football as well. He plays a very nice brand of football, so they can get caught at times. But they're always competitive, even against the top six. But I'm just looking at it. And I'm thinking with Arsenal. I mean, if Arsenal there that finished in eighth. And they're trying to break back in, let's say even to a top six, and they're alone the top four and stuff like that. I'm just wondering if you're throwing 50 million at Ben White, it's it's a sizable part of Arsenal's transfer budget, I would imagine, as well. You know, so I mean you know, I, I suppose with the, the rumblings of David Luis leaving and stuff like that, there's talk of Hector Bellerin leaving, and you know, these these players are moving out, so they're gonna be exposed at the back a little bit. But there's a massive, massive rebuild that Arsenal needs, you know. Yeah. David Luiz is gone. There's talk of Bellerin going. Um, you're, you're talking yeah. a two. You're talking a two hundred and fifty million rebuild. Really, you're talking nearly what Chelsea had to do. Roma are looking. Roma are looking to sign Granit Xhaka. Um, that's a massive as, that's rebuild. As far as I know. If, you're, if you're going out and spending fifty million on Ben White, as you said, you still need another five or six players at least. With the players that are leaving and and having that extra bit of quality on the bench, because like the likes of William, he has to go fifty million on Ben White, and then still having to get another six or seven players to have that extra quality to come in off the bench and mount a serious challenge again. Like let let's face it, they're not going to win the league. Top four, you'd imagine it'll be far a bit too far fetched for them. So Arsenal even trying to get back into the top six is going to be a massive ask. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no secret, Liverpool's interest in Neuhaus. Um, absolutely super player there. Um, obviously, the, the Genie Wijnaldum transfer was confirmed this week to PSG. Um, so Liverpool looking to bring in Neuhaus. Um, Craig spoke to us about Neuhaus God, six or eight weeks ago, saying he was a man to go for. Um, what's your feeling on this? Exceptional player, still only really, really well. He's only a kid. Um, I've watched bits and pieces of him throughout the season, and uh, if this is the player that's going to replace Genie Wijnaldum, and you look at the players that we have that are in the squad already, like Curtis Jones is going to come on again next season. We have Thiago, we have Fabinho, Henderson is back. You know he's going to be given time to settle which is a massive plus. I don't necessarily think he's going to come in with massive pressure on him because of his age. You know, the price, price tag, there's, there's no buyout clause, so they're talking around 40 million. 40 million sounds massive. But you look at some of the players that are being thrown around uh, the, in Europe the, the last couple of years and the money that's being spent on them, 
40 million for me on, on Neuhouse. I'm very, very excited at the prospect of him signing for Liverpool. He, I think he'd done an interview and he was asked and, you know, he didn't cut it off. I think he's excited by the prospect of playing under Jürgen Klopp. The only worry is that Bayern Munich are interested as well. And, you know, with these German players, the whole home comforts and staying in the country and they're close to their family and all. But looking to be a bit more ambitious, you know, signing for Liverpool would be massive for us being greedy as Liverpool fans. But um, yeah, I think the only competition there is is Bayern Munich. But I'd love this move to happen. He's he's a very very exciting prospect. He's he's got pace. He's got agility. You know, he's got a bit of finesse on the ball. He's a knife for goal. Really really excited about that move if it happens. I think the excitement about it as well with some of these German players in terms of coming to Liverpool and and playing for Jurgen Klopp is that we would assume one day that Jurgen Klopp will be the German national manager. So, and a lot of these players are so young, so you're kind of ahead of the pack, really, if you get to work under him beforehand, because you understand his style of play and stuff like that. So when he does eventually one day move into that German national side, you know what I mean? You would have that kind of friendship there, that kind of bond and that kind of working relationship with him, which is vital for a young player trying to break through into a German side that generally, I would say, picks itself. So... You know, maybe maybe that could be the, the caveat that might get him over the line for Liverpool. Just well. one other one other thing on the on on the German players, Noel. They're they're so hungry. You know, they they've got a real desire to play football. Um, they're very passionate about the game. Um, yeah, and what you said, if Klopp is he's destined to be the Germany manager, and he hopefully not for at least five years, but he's destined to be the German manager. He's always said all along that that was his dream job. So you know if. If he does sit down with Jorgen and Jorgen kind of paints the bigger picture and says, you know, look, you'll, you'll evolve under me and one day you'll probably play yeah. for Germany under me and you're going to be a central figure, you know. Everything is a plus in this situation. The only the only negative is if Klopp is taking the Germany job, hopefully it's not for at least five years. Yeah, but you would think if he does get it in five years' time, a lot of these younger players will be only coming into their prime. You know, so it'll be brilliant for the German side as well in terms of the strength of the rebuild. When you start losing the likes of a Muller or any of those players or a Matt Hummels that, that have been in the side now for so long, you know, so it's you see a lot of these younger German players coming through now in the Bundesliga and stuff like that. And, and boy, they're going to have some team in the next three to five years. Unbelievable. Um, Man United had lodged an opening bid for. Kieran Trippier, who has just won La Liga with Atletico, and the bid. Pause it. Yeah, we were just talking there. Kieran Trippier, um, Man United have lodged the bid. Now, when you compare this in conjunction to say Ben White at Brighton, fifty million with Arsenal, and then you look at United, they lodged an opening bid for Kieran Trippier. He's just won La Liga, ten million. And I'm thinking, what's going on there? Like, I mean, there's no way you're going to get him out of there for 10 million or anything like that. And even if that's an opening bid, this is a guy who just won La Liga, who just broke the stranglehold of Barcelona and Real Madrid. And I'm thinking, there's no way Simeone's letting him go anywhere for 10 million. No, I find it, find it a very disrespectful bid, if I'm honest. Um... Yeah, as you said, just broke the stranglehold of Real Madrid. He's been a influential part of the team as well in winning the Liga. Um, established England fullback. Uh, you know, experience in the Premier League. Great experience in the Premier League as well. He is a, he is a very good uh, player. Um, and, you know, you're just testing the water. Like, if you're going to test the water, you want to be testing the water with over 25 million. Um, if you want to test the water, you have to put your toe in the water, don't you? You can't let your foot still on the sand. Ten, ten million. Are, are they really serious as well about? I, I, we talked about this last week. I see this as a pointless transfer unless Wan Bissaka is happy to sit on the bench or Trippier is a player of Kieran Trippier's um, standards and qualities. Isn't coming in to be a big part. You know, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka is one of the best right-backs in the Premier League. Defensive-wise, getting up and down. Um, but just, this move doesn't make sense to me at all. I'd love to know 
I'd love to know Man United fans' um, opinions on this because sh- surely there's someone young out there that can come in and like you know give him a season to bed in and play a bit part to cover Wan Bissaka. I just do not see this move. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. Why is why is a player of that quality happy to come in if he's only going to be a bit part because? They're not Man City, you know, that they haven't got the quality where they can rotate and they're guaranteed to win games. Um, I don't see Aaron Wan-Bissaka wanting to sit on the bench every second week or every third week, and I don't see Kieran Trippier wanting to do the same. So I, oh, I just can't make sense of this transfer at all. Yeah, I suppose when you look at it, I mean, the replacement for Aaron Wan-Bissaka there at the moment is probably Brandon Williams, is it? And I mean, he's yeah. come into the side a couple of times and... Although he's done okay, I'm not sure whether Ollie fancies him or not because he hasn't featured a lot. Um, and with Wambasaka, it is going to be a long season this season for Man United. I mean, about you know Champions League, they're, whole, they're obviously going to try and push City at this stage. They came second this year, so in order to you know replicate that and do better and improve, you're going to have to push and be in a title race. So they're going to need covering a lot of key areas, and you could see towards the end of the season there as well. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, he got really, really tired. And, um, you know, he was starting to move out of games and stuff like that. And teams were starting to get a lot of joy down that side and stuff like that, even though he's an unbelievable player. Also, you could see as well that, like, where teams were getting past him and stuff like that, he was having to make those last-ditch tackles a lot more, which he's famous for, there's no doubt about it. But I do think, to me, it kind of makes sense. The conundrum is, who do you play and when do you play them? Um and I suppose for Kieran Trippier, he's gone over to La Liga. He's played there. He's after winning the title. So there's not much more he can do. I don't see Atletico winning the Champions League in the next couple of years. So what's left for Trippier to prove over there as opposed to coming back to England to a top club and pushing on maybe for a Premier League title? So I can see the sense in it. I just can't see the sense in the value of the bid. That's all. Um, but if if I was if I was Solskjaer, I'd, be, I'd probably be looking at someone. If so, you're looking to someone that's gonna come in, and you know it's a long season. I I'm purposely saying all this just because I just think here on Trippier is good enough to play every week, you know. And I just don't see why have two right backs that are as good as each other. You, you man, City do it. I know what they. I know what they do and all, but I just think United. They just need you know. City can afford to rotate at the back because they're such a good team all over the pitch. United aren't. United have missed out. I think last season because they don't. I know they had their unbeaten away from home and what have you. They just don't have a set established back four. They have the problems with the goalkeeper. They don't know whether Henderson is going to do the job. Decay's future is all up in there. You know, you need a centre back, and I think if they get a world class centre back, i.e., Pau Torres, to play with Harry Maguire, have Luke Shaw on the left, Aaron Wambasaka on the right, I think that's the stronghold for United. They build a backbone then. If United are looking at a right back, I think Kyle Walker's Peters looks like a promising, a promising young player. Um, Jeremy Frimpong and uh, Serginio Dest, like. Yeah, I just I'd be looking elsewhere if I was if I was yeah, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but I'm not. And if this is what he wants to do, you know, well, well, for him, off you go, try to get it done. But I just I can't see this deal happening. I just really can't. But well, it definitely won't happen at that price anyway. That's for sure because no. be a lot a lot more other teams in if that was the price that was being bandied around. I I could see why I could see why it would happen because I could just say. They brought in Alexi Tellez last year to come in and provide a bit of competition to Luke Shaw. And a push, Sean, And yeah. then you look at the season that Shaw had, arguably United's best player. Um, arguably so one yeah. of the best left backs in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with all the turmoil he went through with Jose. So fantastic for Luke Shaw. But I do think it's important to create a bit of competition on that other side as well. Because I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka kind of had it nailed down. And I think when you have a position like that nailed down, you can get a bit complacent. And it'd be no harm to have it there. The question is, who do you play first? And the question is, who comes in and comes in where and which? But I think if you're looking at Kieran Trippe and Aaron Wamba Saka, you're probably looking like for like anyway, aren't you? In yeah, terms of quality. 100%. Yeah. So great yeah. defensive, great defensive qualities, good at getting up and back. Yeah. Um, they can push on a bit and play as we don't see it necessarily as much at United, but Kieran Trippe, 
can play as a wing back too. Um, he's dabbled a bit in left back as well, but Shaw's made that position his own. And you know, Tellez when he came in, I, I'd watched a fair bit of him in Champions League football. He was doing well at Porto and all, but I think somebody was just brought in to push Luke Shaw on because they seen they know the potential Luke Shaw had. So yeah. let's let's see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, I think with Trippier as well, his final ball into the box will be much better than Aaron Wan-Bissaka's. And I think when you have a guy in there, if you're going to go with Cavani, Cavani will feed off that great because the balls that Trippier puts in are unbelievable, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, so that's I think that's maybe what they could be thinking, you know. Um, it was reported there, and we spoke about it last week, Liverpool in for Pats and Daka, and then it looks like now Chelsea have looked at our good scouting and Leicester have looked at our good scouting and are both now interested in Pats and Daka. Um, but there was talk being reported this week that we were going to announce him. Um, yeah. So um, that should be interesting when the other two boys are back in for him as well. Like, so it could create a little bit, um, could quite I'm, say, a more expensive transfer. Yeah, one thing I will say is I'm not surprised that Chelsea coming in um, to Shell... And Klopp don't exactly have the, the best of uh, relationships. And he'd be, I'll argue, Ian might dis- disagree with me, but Tuchel will be sniffing around anybody that Liverpool are linked with. Anybody. It could be someone that's going to be coming in to cut the grass at Anfield, and he'll be asking Chelsea to check this fella's background. He's known for doing it over the years. Yeah, well, you would assume you would assume with City winning the league this year, you would assume Liverpool are going to have a massive bounce back with the players coming back, and you would assume that Chelsea's main goal this year is to close that gap on City and get into a title race as well with the quality that they have there as well. So, anyone that Chelsea or Liverpool are interested in is going to be vice versa. I'd say, with the exception of Erling Haaland and deals that go crazy off the wall, but anything that's in around that say thirty to sixty million. I think both teams will be looking at those players in, in terms of trying to close that gap on City and United as well. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to land a serious player. Um, what's, what's your making on this whole thing? Gianluigi Donnarumma being, being available basically on a free. And uh, everyone is kind of sleeping on him. But uh, Fabrizio Romano reported this week that uh, PSG have come to a verbal agreement with him. Absolutely unbelievable player, and yet there's not a whole line for him. No, we when he first came on the scene, the, the, the talk was this guy was the future of AC Milan, the future of Italian football. He was going to be the next Buffon. He'd, bat, he'd be at Milan probably his whole career, and makes you wonder: is there problems going on behind the scenes? You know that the, he wasn't offered a new deal, and look, it, it's a great meal for PSG if it, if it like if it happens. But um, I'm very very surprised at, at this. You know, as you said as well, you, you would think that everybody, Man United especially, you would think that he him on a free that's a no brainer. Would 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 De Gea be interested in going to Milan? Maybe. I'm very very surprised that. There's not there's not a massive uh, Barcelona as well, you know. It's Ter Stegen is mm, not really rate him as a goalkeeper, you know. You would think Barcelona, Man United, it's, yeah, um, Arsenal maybe. Look, he's on a free massive wage as well. Don't know. He's gonna be looking for absolutely mental money. Yeah, Ar- Arsenal Arsenal might have been a good one already, seeing as there, there's talk about Leno and stuff like that, you know, so I would have thought, especially Arsenal, Arsenal looked those free ones with just wages involved, you know. I just um, laughed at Arsenal because they let Emiliano Martinez go. What a goalkeeper. The chap, I think if you if you fired a shotgun at him, he try and stop the pellets. He's absolutely, Arsenal fans must be livid that he was let go. Yeah, certainly a, certainly a bad, bad bit of business. Tottenham, as always, considering a late move. I mean, there's, there's kind of that one side of London that's just become a bit laughable, isn't it, really, when you think about it? I mean... I can't... Late, it's, it, it's still, as you say, Tottenham's... I can't take the name... I can't take them serious. Yeah. Um, Gabriel Jesus reported that he might be moving uh, close to a move to Juventus. And Tottenham decided to come in with a late move. And I'm thinking, 
there's Gabriel Jesus. Is he is he lining up Juventus with Allegri in the Champions League, or is he lining up Tottenham with Paolo Fonseca in the Europa Conference League? And I'm thinking that's an old brainer, Tottenham. Don't waste your time. No, um, Juventus makes a lot of sense from. Um, sports doesn't make sense for anybody, if I'm honest. Uh, no offense, Graham. Um, Daniel Levy came out yesterday and he said that he talked to Harry Kane after the Euros and he tell him that the decision that will be that will come, the decision that that will be made will be the best for the clubs and not Harry Kane's. And Daniel Levy doesn't need to sell, doesn't need to sell him. That that's the that's the that's what I'm getting from what what Daniel Levy said. Um, Jesus will be annoyed for me, be an ideal replacement for for Harry Kane. You know, he's when he plays for City, he's got he's got a good goals per game ratio. Um, he just doesn't play frequent enough. And I think if he played every week for Spurs, I think he'd be an absolutely outstanding signing for them. But yeah. As you said, do you want to go and play in Shireen and Champions League football and live the dream? Or do you want to play for the shittest team in London at the moment? And Well, sorry, Arsenal is the shittest team in London at the moment. But <coughs> do you want to stay in London, freezing cold, playing the Europa, or the, the away for conference and never win anything? It's... One way is out the other, like kind of a lot. Yeah, it's definitely chalk and cheese. Um, interesting comments this week from Marcus Rashford. I don't know whether they were taken out of context or not, but makes it very clear that he's very happy at United with the way things are going and stuff like that. But you know, wouldn't necessarily dismiss a transfer if it was to happen. No, he said the same thing. At the early start, at the start, of, well, the early stages of the season, and regarding if he was if he was interested in a move abroad, and he said, you know, he says what all players say. Look, at the moment, he's very happy where he is, and he grew up as part of the club and what have you. But you know, who's to say it might never happen? Um, again, kind of inconsistent and playing with injuries throughout the season and. You know, the burden of playing for Man United does get a lot for some players. He, don't get me wrong, he is an outstanding player. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he left Man United one day. But it's a case of where Harry Kane, you know, if he's going to be there for three or four more years and he doesn't win any trophies. and You know, the only thing he really looks at, he has to look forward to is going for a major tournament in, with England. You know, if, if he was to step it up another level, say next season he steps it up another level, Scored 25 or more league goals. Um, you know, it finished outside the top two, didn't win a trophy. It'd be interesting to see next summer what his opinion would be if you had the likes of Real Madrid sniffing around or Chelsea sniffing around or, yeah, you know, if the likes yeah. of those are sniffing around. It'd be interesting next season. He, he's he's going to stay with United next season, obviously, but depending on his own season. So they have to take that into account as well, Noel. He's not really setting anything alight. You know what I mean? I know he's been playing with an injury and he's kind of carrying the burden of United as well with, with Cavani. Um, when Fernandez doesn't play, you know, the, the spotlight, or when Fernandez doesn't really show up, the spotlight kind of gets put on to Rashford as it say, like, well, you need to step up now. But if he has a good season next season and he, you know you don't win anything, it would be very interesting next summer to see uh, see what happens. It's, it's mad when you look at United, isn't it, when it's gone 180. When you think about it, like in, in the past, it would be the player would have to match the club's ambition. But now they've gone 180 and it's the club now has to match the player's ambition. Um, so it's, the, it's players have too, the players have too much power nowadays. It's not like it was back in the old days, which is a shame. I don't think it's even the power. I think it's like they want to be successful and they want to leave a legacy. So naturally they want to win something. You know what I mean? And it's just... You know, the days of top-level players staying at clubs just because they love them, you know what I mean? And then finishing their career off with maybe one or two medals that aren't necessarily a big deal. 
I think those days are gone. Guys are looking to leave a legacy now, you know, and you could see it with Harry Kane's decision making at Spurs and stuff like that, you know. So be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, it's 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 one to look out for. And as you said, this is a huge season for United coming up. Um probably the worst secret in football as well, since we watched that Amazon documentary on Spurs. Danny Rose set the swing for newcomers, Watford. Um, the blow up with Jose on that documentary was unbelievable. Like it was, it was so. It was for me. It was it was gold TV really when you think about it. Like Danny Rose <laughs> going in talking to Jose about how he's not happy and stuff like that, and Jose basically saying, "Well, maybe you should try and harder." And he was getting real offended by this and all this stuff. And then Danny Rose turned around and says. Uh, they got into a bit of a Barney about it and he, you know Jose was basically saying straight to his face well you're not good enough and he took real offence to that you know and then he says fine I'll go off and talk to Daniel Levy and Jose says you go do that and he just stormed out of the office and uh, I think the what next thing that he was to... at Newcastle wasn't he? <laughs> yeah he, he, he done all right at Newcastle in fairness but yeah. talking about the old days of football whatever happened to where uh football players having a set of balls and being men and taking it on the chin, you know what I mean? Is it the fact that it was broadcast in a documentary and he was told he was shit? You know, is that why he got offended about? Because after that, it was just a whole case of he was going out and he was talking about the racial prejudice and he being stopped by police and, you know, cars being searched and he came out and he was throwing Mourinho under the bus and anything he could get to get himself in the paper, he came out and said, oh, I done it. And I was like, when that happened, as you said, that whole documentary series was brilliant. Like, if you know anyone that's watching, if you haven't watched the uh, Amazon that documentary on sports and you can't find anything on TV, there's your show. Get all over it. But um, Mourinho was a history of doing that, and he done it. We just we touched on it with Luke Shaw. Um, you know, he he's just everywhere he's gone, he's been like that. You have to take it with a pinch of salt, but you also have to take it on the chin and say, "This guy has won everything." You know, the last couple of the last few years has not been great for him for his for his own legacy, but he knows what he's talking about. And maybe he's taking a dig at you to push you on to that next level and see can you take it on the chin and see what kind of a man you are. Because when he done the same thing to Luke Shaw, we know what happened there. He went into a shell, piled on the way, sulking. Career wasn't going great. There was talk of him leaving United and all. Whatever happened to men being men, going in, asking the manager why they're not playing, being told, look, don't think you're good enough at the moment. You need to lift your game up. Okay, shake his hand. I wanted to train a pitch and you prove him wrong. He comes across as one of those guys that's just petulant and just wants things his own way and he's not getting it. So, if you want to go to Sport or to Watford and pick up a few bob and possibly get relegated next year, off you go. Boy, boy. And I'm sure Graham Cummins will agree with me on that. Yeah. I just I just love that bit in the documentary where Jose just goes in on him and he just curls up in the seat and gets so offended. Like, instead of turning around going, right, well, I'm gonna, as you said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to prove you wrong. Instead, he just curls up into the seat and just storms off up the Levy's office. I'm sure Levy said the same thing to him. He's bang on, you know what I mean? So what are you what are you coming to me for? I'm the fucking chairman. He's your manager. What imagine me having an argument with you and then and then going to going to my man saying, Man, Niles out to telling me like to fuck off. Will you have a chat with him? Yeah. She's gonna tell me to get the fuck out of the house and grow a set of balls. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Um this Jaden Sancho situation. Um, it's now going to be every week, every day, isn't it? Until the window closes, basically. Reports yeah. reports this week um, that United had had an offer rejected of seventy five million, and of course, you've got everyone denying and agreeing and denying and agreeing. Did it happen? Didn't it happen? Blah 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 blah. Um, but the German club are asking for eighty six million, and I'm thinking. You offered over 100 million last year when he was 120 million and you didn't get him. And I said, now you're getting into a pissing contest over 11 million. And I'm just thinking, do you actually want this player? Or what's sorry, we just go and sign him. But apparently, 
there's a Ballon d'Or clause in there. Um, yeah. And that, the talk is that that Ballon d'Or clause is about 10 million. Yeah, and the talk is that when that was mentioned to Borussia Dortmund, that they told them to go and fuck themselves. I, the exact same thing happened last season. You want a player. To, it happened with Van Dijk at Liverpool. You, you, he's your main target. You want a player. You have the money. This is like United in a hole. Whoever's dealing with this with this transfer situation is going in there with their chest out and thinking, we're the Man United of over of, of the early, like the 90s and the early 2000s. Look at all our league trophies. Look at the Champions League. We won. It's it's basically like they have that. They're, they're walking in with that, pushing that impression on Dorman and saying, we're going to bully you into giving us that player. Whereas Dorman don't need to sell. If Dorman are going to make that money, it's going to be off early talent. So they don't need to sell Sancho because if they sell Haaland, and keep Sancho. They're gonna replace Haaland with someone who's not going to be the 150 million that they're gonna they're gonna receive for selling them, and then they're just gonna build it, build a squad better. So for me, if I was a Liverpool fan and this was the situation that we were in, I'd be livid because you know you'd have got the money. And if you're if you're acting the bollocks over 10 million and you're trying to put that 10 million on the deal with the Ballon d'Or, which isn't going to happen, let's be honest, it's not going to happen. You know, Dortmund are right. Don't fuck yourselves. But the longer that this drags on, again, the United fans are going to get incensed. And by the time the start of the season comes, I, I honestly thought this deal would have been done before the Europe start. He'd been in England for, for what? Two or three weeks? I thought the deal, I thought there would, have been, there would have been an agreement in place on the back of last summer that just gets triggered this summer and that discussions yeah. didn't need to be had. If they're so hot on this player, because you know what's going to happen. If this drags on and on and on the way it did before, Jaden Sancho is just going to advise his representatives, tell them to get lost and have a chat with Chelsea or have a chat with City or whoever it is. I want a deal done. Clearly, Jaden Sancho has made up his mind that he wants to move on from Dortmund. Yeah. Clearly, Dortmund want the most amount of money they can. They were very unlucky last year. They're not getting the deal across the line for that type of money. We had a COVID year, so obviously fees have come down and stuff like that. So I just think it's just... I don't know, but you know, just get on with it. You know what I mean? Because if you get absorbed into this again, you're going to miss out on these other signings you need. And I can categorically say now, if Jaden Sancho is the only one, you're not getting near the league next season. You need one, a hell of a lot more than that. One thing I will say, though, Noel, as well, is credit to Jaden Sancho, because as much as he wants to move back to England, anytime he's being asked about it, he's been like, I'm focused on the Euros, I'm focused on the Euros, I'm focused on the Euros. He hasn't been petulant, he hasn't thrown his toys. Like, if he really wanted to store the pot and he really wants to go to United, because we've seen it over, we've seen in the past, he could easily have turned around in any of those press conferences he's done before, before the Euros and said, yeah, I want to go to Man United. And then, and then the shitstorm starts because then the United fans are going crazy saying, he wants to sign for us. Why the fuck won't you just go and pay the extra 10 million? This Ballon d'Or clause is absolute bullshit. You know, it's this isn't down to the glaciers. This is down to the people trying to negotiate the deals. As I said, United aren't the United that they were on the Ferguson. They can't go in with a chest out thinking, look how successful we are. Yeah, great history. But the, are they going to go back down the road of the way Liverpool were, where you live off the past? This is the present. United aren't good enough to win the Premier League. Jaden Sancho is part of the puzzle to try and help them win the league. So... You need to just get it done. We needed a goalkeeper. We went down and spent the money on Allison. We needed uh, the best centre half in the world. We went down and spent it on Van Dyke. I'm not saying Jaden Sancho is the best. Jaden Sancho is the best winger in world football at the moment, but he's on the way to being one of them. And if you know he'd have the money, and they look at him as being an integral part to getting them towards a major title challenge, you, you need to spend the money. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Time to pony up. You're not in a position of power, so time to pony up. Um, <coughs> this one is a real interesting one for me because I'm kind of a fan of Granit Xhaka. I think Granit Xhaka is a decent player. I think he's had a rough time at Arsenal. Some of it has been self-inflicted. Some of it hasn't. But there's a big difference in Arsenal when Granit Xhaka isn't in the team. This yeah. season, it's been noticeable, you know. And it looks like he's agreed a five-year deal with Roma heading off to Jose Mourinho's Roma now in a deal worth 18 million. 
And I'm thinking 18 million is a snip for him. Fucking sure it's a snip for him, and it's a massive, massive signing for Roma. Um, massive loss for Arsenal. I don't care what Arsenal fans' opinions are on him. Arsenal are a better team when he's in the middle of the park. End of discussion. When you take him out of the middle of the park, they're a very, very um, inexperienced, young... Like, you look at Liverpool's midfield, you have Fabinho, he's settled in. You look at Henderson, he's got a wealth of experience. Thiago, coming into his own towards the end of the season. Um, you know, look at Man City's midfield. You look at Chelsea's midfield. You look at the likes of Spurs. You look at the likes of United. You look at, well, other than Pogba and Fernandez, but you look at Arsenal around there. This goes back to the whole rebuild. Shaka gone. Um, David Luiz is going. Heller, Hector Bellerin could go. William is going to go. I'm, I'm extremely worried if I'm an Arsenal fan going into next season. Shaka is a massive loss. I don't care about the falling out with Arsenal fans. He he gives it all. You know, I watched him yesterday playing for Switzerland. You know, he's a workhorse in the middle of the park. He doesn't shirk out with challenges. You know, he's not big in stature. But he fucking run through a wall for you, and Arsenal need that type of player in the team. You look at back, you look back to Arsenal's midfield over the years when they were winning league titles and all, and you look at them now, it's men against children. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be an interesting situation as well because you would have thought to replace him. You're looking in the region of what somewhere between say 30, 50 million. 18, so, 18, 18 million is scandalous yeah. for a player of that quality. I think it's a great bit of business by Jose, to be honest. Of course. Oh, ah, de- most, most definitely. Most definitely. And I, I heard of a few other players that he's linked with as well. You know, Roma are going to be really, really good next year. You know, the, the Shaka coming in kind of sails up a hole in the middle of the park. Well, there's talk of uh, Pellegrini, like Liverpool are lining up a bid for Pellegrini. Um, so if, if look, Pellegrini might, might not sign for Liverpool, he could go elsewhere. But if you're losing Pellegrini, but Shaka is coming in, you're, you're still you're still relatively happy, you know. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Barca obviously disappointed and a little bit hurt after missing out on Jamie and rightly so after having an agreement in place and then players had got turned over wages. But they're looking to Memphis Depay now. I like Memphis Depay as a player. I think he's a yeah. baller, and I think in the right team with the right situation, and I think in that Barca team, I think he could be that. Um, that real good player in there when you think about Aguero in there Messi and then you have Memphis to play not to mention Griezmann I mean that that's a serious combination isn't it yeah most definitely um, lo- love to play he didn't sell at United he said that himself he felt the pressure he felt massive pressure going to a club like Man United at such a young age me personally I'd be loving him at Liverpool but Barcelona that's a great deal for both player and club um, takes the board and I think he'll light up the La Liga next season I really do he's, he's tricky he's quick he, he, he gets up and down the pitch and really puts the puts the work in um, watched a lot of him last year and the season before when, when I heard Liverpool were linked to him I was really excited I'd love that but um, it looks like he's going to Barcelona now and that's a, that's a great deal for uh, that's a cue for for Ronald Koeman if you ask me if he can get uh, Dembele out, um, Griezmann still offers that quality. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a natural goal scorer. He still offers that quality. If Messi is going to be happy, you know, there's talk of uh, Aguero has gone there as well. Like that's You're going to see a, a rejuvenated Barcelona next year. You know, they, they lost out as good as let's go where last year. From I think Barcelona kind of helped them win the league because the, the, the couple of games towards the end of the season against, I can't pronounce it, Huenca and Cadiz, yeah. that, that league title was in Barcelona's hands. But Messi looks happy. But imagine he's staying now and that's where Aguero has gone there. You throw you throw the toy in there. You have the, the younger lads coming through like Dest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Barcelona definitely be back next year. They'll be like Liverpool next year. What, what do you make of him? What do you make of that messy deal that came out there, that 10-year deal where it's two more years, I think, at Barca, then two years in the MLS with Beckham's place, I think, into Miami, and then going back to Barca again for six years then as a kind of 
I presume like an ambassador coaching type role, that type of thing. Um, yeah, big, books, big, big books though. Yeah, that's, that's just a market. Like Messi is Barcelona. When you think about it, like the marketing, the money that he gets into the club, jersey sales, stuff like that. At a time where they're, they, they secured their, their near future financially anyway with, with loans and Laporte coming back. I think if Laporte hadn't got the the job, the, pre, the club president, we'd be looking at a different outcome to where Messi is going. But it's a, it's a good deal for for Barcelona. Um, long term, I just think it's a case of Xavi or Iniesta is going to be manager and they want Messi to to be part of that. And um, it, for me with Barcelona, they need to walk work on getting the whole ethos of La Masaya back because it's kind of they've kind of lost that over the last few years you know where the ex- exceptional players coming through and now it's more bringing the, the foreign lads in they, you, Barcelona need to focus on that if they want to be successful like they were over a sustained period of time they need to go back to working on getting those homegrown players through but um, the deal in itself it's, it's not really surprising in it Messi knows he is Barcelona, and Barcelona know he he is the club. It's a great uh, it's a great cue for the MLS as well to know that they're gonna have Messi playing in the league for two years. Like you know, all eyes will be on that as well. It's fantastic for Barcelona them. as well. I'd say part of that deal is any short sales they're definitely getting a percentage, one million percent. Yeah, well, it, it's structured as a loan deal anyway. So, but it, it's yeah. interesting that you could you could sign a player say for ten years. And you could already have two years of predetermined loan deals, you know. It's pretty. It's, it's an interesting angle on deals going forward. Um, to finish out, kind of player wise, Kieran uh, Kieran Tierney, the Arsenal opening talks with Kieran Tierney again. My view on this would be: this is a club that needs to match a player's ambition. Um, if they and he's game. outstanding. Yeah, he's outstanding without a shadow of a doubt. And I think he'll be looking for a real good deal as well. Um. You know, you could see him as a future captain, couldn't you? If he, if it was to come out now that Arsenal didn't match what he wants for a contract, I reckon the Arsenal fans will just go apeshit. Um, we, we've already talked to players that have seen that have, are going to leave and trying to push their way out. For me, Kieran Tinius, future captain of that club, could stay there for another 10 years. Exactly the kind of player that. Andrew Andy Robertson is and a lot if clubs had players like them in the teams they're better automatically because you know they're just just humble workhorses you know leave everything on the pitch um, yeah if Arsenal if Arsenal don't match what he wants uh, I think they're in big trouble I don't think the fans are going to be happy at all he, you see he came into his own before he got injured uh, towards the end of the season and he just when when he turns up, it's like having an extra man. We've seen the quality of him getting up and down. He just he's exactly like Andrew Robertson. He works for absolutely everything. And we don't see enough of them players in, in football nowadays. Just I think it's the, the fact that being Scottish, you know, just being from a small country, you know, he's a Celtic man through and through, got to play for the club he supports. When he left there, my uncle Donald is a is a Celtic uh, season take a hold on he left here Celtic fans were devastated he was one of their own you've seen the scenes of him when they when they won the league when they won the cups getting in with the fans you know yeah Arsenal need a player like that if they're going to start re- if they're going to rebuild and get back to the where they need to be they need the likes of Kieran Tierney in the team yeah the last thing Arsenal need is a player like Kieran Tierney getting upset and being switched off like he's an absolute baller he's a leader he's a captain and for a player so young as well yeah. You know, he's so vocal on the pitch, he's so involved, he's up and down that line, as you said, he's absolutely key to Arsenal's future. Plus, if you, if you look on his uh, career as well, like the injuries he's had as well, like he's worked his absolute nutsack off to get back to where he is. So he's suffered some bad injuries in his career so far, and he's still only young. If um, Under the Kosh podcast, he does with Simon Ferry, um, if anyone's... Uh, Looking for a podcast list other than the upper tier, of course. Check check out Kieran Tierney's interview with Simon Ferry talking about his, his injuries in his career and look at where he is now. You know, we need more people like Andrew Robertson and Kieran Tierney in football, if you ask me. Absolutely. Um, two, just to finish up on, 
Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't have a quick chat about managers. Um, <laughs> now, now now looks like he's off to Everton, which I think is a brilliant move for Everton because he, he's tops. You know, he's so unlucky this season at Wolves. You know, lost Jota, lost players, the injury, obviously lost Jimenez, lost the, the, the core of the team there, if you like, especially up front. So very unlucky. Um, but there's no doubt he's a quality manager there going into Everton. The question is, will some of those players that are in there have the appetite to operate under Nuno, namely James Rodriguez, or will he look for a move back to the continent? Because he kind of followed Ancelotti, you know? Um, for, for me, when I heard that uh, Nuno was taking over Palace, I was like, no disrespect to Palace, but Nuno deserves, in my opinion, he deserves a shot at a top six, top eight club. He's got real ambition. Look what he did with Wolves that season where they won the league and the champion. They, they won the championship. Outstanding. He was unknown when he came in. For me, his Everton meet his ambition and he meets Everton's ambition. And as you said, if there's players in there who weren't interested in working for a, for a manager of, of his stature, but I, I, as much as we hate Everton as Liverpool fans, that's a that's a great move. That's a real, real sign of intent if he goes into Everton. They have money there. They've got the basis of a good squad. You know, Cavaloon's going to get better. Richarlison, you know, exceptional season last year other than his season uh, ruin and challenge on Thiago. Um, they've got good defenders. I'm not going to say anything on Jordan Pickford because we love to break both his hands and arms. Um, but Nuno meets Everton's um, ambition and Everton kind of meet his ambition. You know, he's going to go in there and say, if we can keep the squad that I have and add one or two players, you know, because he, he's going to believe in himself that they can challenge. And rightly so. I, I love him as a manager. Mm, yeah. And you could tell as well, he's um, he's probably going to sniff a frown around a few Wolves players without a shadow of a doubt, you know? We're just going to um, say that, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Adama Traore potentially in a blue jersey this season or something like that. You know? as, as you said, James Rodriguez mysteriously could end up back at Real Madrid. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he only signed for Everton because Carlo Ancelotti. Um, I can't understand why, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, imagine that Adama Triori bombing down the wing there. Don't be surprised if two or three players from, from Wolves end up at Everton next season. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, last but not least, uh, Paolo Fonseca going into Spurs. What you thinking? Yeah, I called this, I think, about when, when the news broke that Fonseca was stepping away from Roma and Mourinho was taking over. And um, the Mar Mourinho left Spurs. I, I said it on the mashup. I said Paolo Fonseca for that job all day long. Um, exciting manager, tactically, tactic, tactically legit. Um, plays good football. Um, the only worry is for him is he's going into a sports squad that mm, they're not really great. Are they? Let's be honest, they're not really great. They haven't got a settled defence. Needs a bit they, of work. They need a bit of work in the midfield. He's not going to get a chance to speak. He's not going to get a chance to speak to Harry Kane till after the Euros. And by the time he gets around to talking to him, this whole Levy and Harry Kane situation could have gone off like one of the buses um, crashing under a bridge. They you know the lower bridge and the bus is coming in at 100 mile an hour. Um, yeah, that'd be my only concern for him. But I, I think it's a good move for, for sports. They brought in a director of football this week as well. You know, they, they want to try and get out. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we had Graham on one of the matchups and saying sports need to get this move managerial wise and director of football. They need to get that 100% spot on. And we were talking some of the names that were, were lined up, the Conte situation blowing up. For me at the moment, Fonseca would probably be the, the most likely man to come in and steady the ship. You know, he, he'll come in and he'll demand respect. He won't take bullshit off anybody in that team. He won't come in and deal with the likes of Deli Ali's petulance and all that kind of stuff. He'll come in there and he'll demand respect, and rightly so. Absolutely. Well, as always, these Sunday morning sit-ins are great when we talk transfer business. Just to let people know, coming up this week, we have a hectic upper tier schedule this week. Uh, dropping tomorrow, we have a new episode of the Shanky Sessions. 
We're going to be talking about Jordan Henderson receiving an MBE and various Rightly like so, rightly so. Absolutely. Tuesday, we have Wayne back from the Monday mashup who's going to be doing a Man City season review. Sure. Who's been hiding? Who's been hiding since City lost Champions League final, haven't you, Wayne? Hi. Well, that's going to be an interesting one because when you think of City winning a league and winning a Carabao Cup and still being disappointed, um, it's going to be an interesting season review with Wayne. So we'll do that. Craig obviously is going to be come back. We're going to be doing some Euro update shows as a matches progress, but we're also going to be doing a La Liga season review on the back of the Serie A one that we did. Um, and then later on in the week, we have a couple of other update shows that we're going to be looking at. So You forgot week, to throw in that hectic schedule, Noel. You forgot to mention that on Wednesday, El Dino's Magnifico become the father for the first time. Just want to say, God bless the world. Absolutely. And best of luck with that. And congratulations to everyone involved in that. Um, what do you mean everyone involved in that? The missus won't be happy with you saying that. You, <laughs> you, Mandy, your family, her family, everyone has been involved in that. So, so wasn't um, a queue of people to try and get her up the pole. And I'm listening, I'm listening to where uh, I'm looking forward to next week. Next week you'll be there rocking the little baby on the side. He'll be hearing his Liverpool kid. Absolutely brilliant. Um yeah, so that's really it. It's going to be hectic. Also, at the end of the week, we have the fixtures coming out for next season. So we're going to be looking at the fixture releases and how Liverpool booked. We're going to be looking at the key fixtures throughout the season and how they're going to impact on the title race. Um, Craig, I'm sure, will be on for that as well. Craig loves his L analysis. So as always, this has been their transfer show as part of the Upper Tier on the Dynamo Podcast Network on YouTube. Head over there. You know what you got to do. Support the podcast. We will be back again next week with a transfer show. Dane will have black rings under his eyes from no sleep. But however, <laughs> here we go. Talk to you next week, bud. Stay late, no. Take care, pal.